few books are as fundamental to the Christian faith as the book of Exodus. Exodus not only teaches us about the redemption of God's people, Israel, but it also provides us with a paradigm for understanding God's future redemption of humanity. The people of Israel were physically enslaved in Egypt. Humanity today is spiritually enslaved to sin. We're all in need of redemption. God redeemed Israel, enabling them to cross over out of Egypt. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are all enabled to cross over into life from our sin. When we understand the book of Exodus, we understand God, his grace, and ultimately our redemption. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Vintage Church. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. If you're watching online, welcome as well. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 18. If you need a copy of God's Word, lift up your hand. We've got some Connect team members that have that in both English and Spanish. They'd love to get that to you. If you are new to the Bible, the book of Exodus is literally the second book of the Bible. So flip past Genesis, and then you will find the book of Exodus. As Pastor Brick shared, one of the things that we have been doing over the last couple of years is going back to the book of Exodus. If you don't know, the book of Exodus is a long book. And so rather than spend like the next 24 weeks, or, or yeah, 24 weeks, uh, or two years, or something like that, walking through this book, what we're doing is breaking it up into chunks of like six to ten weeks and coming back to it here and there. So two years ago, we started walking through the book of Exodus. This is our third trip through the book of Exodus, and we will take one more short trip next year to finish walking through this book. One of the things that we love to do at Vintage is, yes, teach on topics and uh, smaller sections of Scripture, but also take time out of our year to say, hey, let's walk through an entire book of the Bible and see what God has to show us in this entire book. A few years ago, we looked through the book of Hebrews from beginning to end. And again, we're in the book of Exodus. When we get through Exodus, we'll pick a New Testament book and we'll do the same thing. Maybe a gospel or something like that and go from beginning to end and see what that book has to teach us and what the Lord has to teach us through it. Since we are kicking this off and uh, kind of starting in the middle, I want to encourage you to check out all of the resources that we have. You'll see a link on the screen as well as a QR code. You can scan that. If you are new or you're just like, hey, it's been a year since I've heard a sermon on Exodus, I'd love to find out some more. You can scan that QR code. You'll find sermon notes, our small group studies. You will find uh, one of my favorite things. We have an introduction booklet to the book of Exodus that we wrote a couple of years ago. And so if you're like, I don't know anything about the book of Exodus, that is a great place to start. You can go there. It'll tell you what the book's about. It will give you kind of the themes of the book, give you some resources. So all of that is there for you to take. Exodus chapter 18 is a unique chapter. It's a unique chapter in that it kind of serves as a transition between everything that's come before, uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse, uh, chapter 1 through 17, and everything that's going to come after, in particular, Exodus 19 through 24. So Exodus 18 is kind of this hinge point, if you will, of like, this is what's happened, here's what's coming. How do we transition this? 
And if you're familiar with the Bible, and maybe you're even familiar with like leadership texts of the Bible, this is a familiar one to you. Because this is talked about all the time in leadership circles. So here's the big idea for today. If you're taking notes, write this down. The Lord can use anyone. Everybody say anyone. The Lord can use anyone and anything. Everybody say anything. To speak his wisdom to us. The Lord can use anyone and anything to speak his wisdom to us. It's a little bit lengthy of a chapter, so what we're going to do is we're going to break it down and we're going to read a few verses at a time. So we're going to start Exodus chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. Jethro, everybody say Jethro. Anybody have a son or daughter named Jethro? Maybe not a daughter, right? But anyways. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. How the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eleazar, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. First idea that I think we see in this passage is this, expect the unexpected. I don't know if that's a lesson for you in life generally, but I find that it's true all the time. Expect the unexpected. In order to understand what's going on here, you have to ask yourself, who is Jethro? Because this is one of the first times that we meet Jethro. What we learn about Jethro is that he was a Midianite. Meaning he wasn't an Israelite. He was not of the promised people of God. Number two, we learn this, that he is the father-in-law to Moses. His daughter Zipporah was Moses' wife. And third, we learn that he is a priest, a priest of Midian. Now, all of that is very significant when we think about this idea of expecting the unexpected. Because Moses was not, or I'm sorry, uh, Jethro was not the person that we would expect to show up at this point in this story. Why? What was unexpected? Number one, that Jethro would worship the Lord. Remind you, in the book of Exodus, 
When you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the personal name of the God of Israel, Yahweh. And what Jethro gets to is he gets to this place where he worships the Lord and he brings sacrifices on behalf of the Lord. And remember, he's a priest. So up to this point, there's a very good chance that he has offered sacrifices to other gods. But here, because he hears the story of the people of Israel, everything that's come before them, Exodus chapter 1, verse 17. Quick recap, reminder, the people of Israel have grown and they go to Egypt because one of the children of Jacob, uh, Joseph, becomes powerful in Egypt. But there is a famine in the land. The people all gather there. The Pharaoh forgets Joseph. And then the Pharaoh enslaves the people of Israel. For 400 years, Israel is enslaved. The people cry out. God hears their prayers. God raises up Moses to lead the people out of Israel. Or I'm sorry, out of Egypt, into the promised land. There's the 10 what? Plagues. Then there's the crossing of the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. And then they're about ready to start making their journey to the promised land. And we get here. They're at the foot of the mountain where in just a couple chapters, they're going to receive the Ten Commandments. And there's this guy who's been worshiping other gods. And because of what he hears about the God of Israel, he worships the Lord. That's unexpected. But number two, what's also unexpected, and we're going to read this in just a moment. The Lord is going to use Jethro in the life of Moses and in the people of Israel. Again, this is a Midianite, someone who doesn't necessarily always worship the Lord, and yet he is going to deliver wisdom to Moses and the people of Israel that God is going to use to help the people of Israel. Expect the unexpected. The Lord uses unexpected means often. You ever find yourself in a situation where you need a particular tool, but you don't have that tool in, in hand? So you're like, I need a hammer, but you don't have a hammer. But you have something that has a flat surface that you could use as a hammer. <laughs> Whether it's like a rock or a brick or, you know, I've tried to use my hand that doesn't work well as a hammer. Or my favorite, you need a flathead screwdriver, but you don't have a flathead screwdriver. So what do you use? That's, see, that's smart, a butter knife. I pull out my car keys thinking the best thing to do is twist my car key, right? So sometimes, sometimes in life, you have an issue that you need to fix and you don't have the tool or the expected tool that you know will fix the problem, so you try to figure out a different way, or you use something unexpected to solve the problem. That's Jethro. The thing I love about the Christian story is that the story of Jesus, the gospel, is unexpected. The people of Israel were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting someone to come who would be a king and who would rule for them and rule on their behalf and show them peace and deliver them. No one with the people of Israel were expecting 
their Messiah to come to earth and be crucified. No one was expecting not only a crucified Messiah, but a resurrected Messiah. See, even in the gospel, God was using unexpected means to save the world. It's just the good news of Jesus, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. It was unexpected, which is all the more reason for you and I, when we come across that news, to make a response, to do something. Well, the way the Bible describes is we have to respond to that unexpected means, that gospel message. We have to repent, turn away from the way we have been living in faith, turn to trust the crucifixion of Jesus and the empty grave of Jesus, and then confess that faith through baptism, being buried with Jesus and coming up out of the grave. The gospel itself was an unexpected means. In this story, what we learn from The story of Jethro is that God uses unexpected means. But number two, let's look at verses 13 through 18. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Does that not sound exhausting? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. Anybody ever have a father-in-law tell you that? I know I have. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, obey my voice, and I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. Read a little bit farther than I was going to. What do we learn here? Don't be a fool. Everybody say that with me. Important, wise words. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. What was Moses doing What he tells Jethro is that he was judging all the people. So just imagine the people of Israel, they numbered in the hundreds of thousands. And I can just imagine that in a group of a hundred thousands of people, that there are disputes between individuals, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, families, co-workers, There are disputes going on at all times, and they're like, if they can't settle it, say, well, you know what? It's time to go to Moses. So there's like, you know, 8 a.m., the doors open, the the metaphorical doors, if you will. They open, and Moses is sitting there, and he was like, here's the line. You ever been to the office of motor vehicles? (laughs) Woo! That's what I'm talking about, right? So Moses is one of those workers you know, he's got the, the, the COVID plexiglass there that, he, that still exists. And he just sees the line of people walk into the building. And he was like, here we go. All day long. Right? And then the other thing that he says is that I also teach the people. So the people come to him when they have a problem, when they have a dispute that they can't figure out. And at the same time, one of his responsibilities 
is he was supposed to teach the people. This is who God is, and this is what God wants for you, and this is what God requires of you. So he does that all day, almost every day. And then we learn what it was doing to Moses. Verses 17 and 18, as Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. This is not wise, Moses. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Moses was killing himself. Because he was like, listen, God's put me in charge of these people. This is my responsibility. I need to do it. He doesn't think that there's another way around all of this. But the Lord wants us to be wise. There's an entire book of the Bible all about wisdom. What is it? Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man... Listens to advice. You've got advice coming in. Should you listen to it? The wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. I thought about it like this. When I'm driving somewhere that I don't necessarily know where to go, I pull my phone up and I have my maps, right? My GPS. And, you know, you go a particular way, and if you have it on, you know, you can have the voice on and it'll talk to you and it'll tell you, turn right here, or turn left here. And it's giving you these instructions. It wants you to know, like, listen, this is the best, fastest way to get to your destination. But the GPS doesn't control your car, does it? You're responsible for your car. You're responsible to Use the steering wheel and the gas pedal and the brake pedal to go to your destination. So the GPS can tell you, like, listen, these are the wisest instructions, the wisest directions. Turn here and go straight for a mile. Stop at the red light and then turn right. But it's up to you to follow the directions. In fact, when you don't follow the directions, what do you hear? Recalculating. You ever, you ever like just gone like half of a trip and like forget what she says and she just keeps saying recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Right? God wants us to be wise. He's given us this GPS to say, listen, this is what I want you to do. Don't be a fool. Be wise. But you have to be the one who follows that wisdom that receives the wisdom and gets the wisdom. The thing that I love about this story is, yes, Jethro is an unexpected means, but God uses that kind of community to give us that kind of wisdom. Sometimes it requires God putting people around us for us to hear. And by the way, sometimes, what did we just talk about? They're the most unexpected people we would ever see coming. These students, God wants to use you. God wants to use you to give wisdom to maybe your, even your parents. But listen, here, here's the lesson in that. Don't tell your parents that like, this is wisdom. Be humble about the wisdom, right? Like you, if, if you have a boss and you're like, this, this, this guy, this lady is not being wise. There's a humble way to give that kind of wisdom. 
If you are just anybody, you want to surround yourself with wise people, wise counsel. That's what the Proverbs says. Because you have people that you can listen to. And so if you're going to listen to someone, make them wise. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom through the community that we surround ourselves with. I mean, wisdom itself is from God, and the Holy Spirit is God. So when we have the Holy Spirit, we are receiving wisdom. But just like the GPS, we have to listen and follow the instructions. So if we're not going to be a fool, then let's look at verses 19 through 27 and see what we have to learn. Now, Jethro's given his advice. He says, obey my voice. I will give you advice, listen to this, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God and who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens, and let them judge the people at all times." Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, again, listen to this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Listen to what Moses does. So Moses what? He listened. Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter, they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. If we're not to be a fool then what we learn here is we need to get wise. Who was speaking to Moses? Jethro, right? Jethro was the one speaking, but what I want you to see is how God used Jethro to speak to Moses. There's two places that I thought was so interesting in this, in this story. When Jethro is talking, he says this in verse 19. Now obey my voice, I will give you advice, and God be with you. As to say, Moses, I'm giving you good advice here. I'm giving you such good advice that I think God is giving this to me to tell you, to encourage you. Remember, wisdom is an attribute of God. God is wise. So any sort of wisdom that we have or that we exhibit or live with comes from who? So it doesn't matter who says it. If it's wise, it comes from who? God. So he says that God be with you. And then verse 23, he says, listen, if you follow all of my instructions, if you do this, what? God will direct you. God will be the one who leads you and guides you to not only hear the wisdom, but then begin to live the wisdom out. So interesting that, yes, the words are coming out of Jethro's mouth, but it is God speaking to Moses, giving him that 
wisdom. So what does Moses do? What was the word I told you to say? What did he do? What did Moses do? He listened. He listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and he did all that he had said. Exodus chapter 18, if I have heard this, this text taught more often than not, it's about the leadership lesson of delegation, which is wisdom, by the way. That is biblical wisdom to say, you can't do it all. You need to surround yourself with people that are trustworthy to delegate responsibility so that you can do what you need to do and the people around you can do what they need to do so that the whole body of people, the organization, the church, the family, the group is healthy. At Vintage, one of the ways we talk about this is our leadership pipeline. This is just a way that I think we exhibit this kind of wisdom. You see a graphic there up in just a moment, and you'll see kind of what we do. We have different levels of leadership from our volunteers in tier one to our team leaders, ministry coordinators, ministry directors, and church board. This is a way in which we delegate responsibility and leadership. It's a way that we take the words of Jethro and live them out. So all of this tells us what? The Lord expects us to be wise. The Lord does not expect you to be a fool. He expects you to be wise. Again, look at Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. What the author of the proverb is saying here is that wisdom is important. It should guide the way you begin to live your life. Right? It's not, wisdom is not just about what you hear. Wisdom is how you begin to live your life. How you take these words that seem wise and you say, okay, how am I going to take these words and begin to apply them in my life so I live this truth and this wisdom out. That's what wisdom is. I told you at the beginning of this that Exodus 18 is an interesting chapter because it's really a hinge to what's come before it in chapters 1 through 17 and what will come after, in particular, Exodus 19 through 24. Exodus 19 through 24 might be the most central part of the book of Exodus. Because in Exodus 19 through 24, what happens is Moses meets God and he receives the law. And if you know anything about Judaism, the law was important. The law is important because this is what God told the people of Israel how to live their life. And so in Exodus 19, Moses goes up to the mountain. What mountain? Does anybody know? Mount Sinai. He goes up to the mountain and then in Exodus 20, they get the ten commandments. And then in Exodus 21 through 23, basically what God does is says, listen, I've given you these basic instructions. Have no other gods. Make no graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't envy and so on. And he says, I've given you those, but now let me flesh out for you what these commandments look like in real life. 
And so Exodus chapter 21 through 23 is God fleshing out the Ten Commandments. And then in Exodus 24, there is a confirmation of the covenant where God says, listen, this is my, this is how I'm going to uphold our relationship. Israel, this is how you are going to uphold your relationship. And in a sense, what Israel and God do is they marry one another. They, they create a covenant. So Exodus 18 is setting up all of this because they're where? They're at the base of Mount Sinai. And God is sending Jethro to give Moses wisdom. To say, don't just know the right thing, but do the right thing. The law was about what? Doing the right thing. And so God is preparing Moses. He's preparing the people of Israel to receive the law and obey the law. The brother of Jesus, James, he says it like this in James chapter 1, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Listen to that. You could hear wisdom and say, wow, that's really smart. That's really wise. But you are a fool if you hear it and don't follow it. You deceive yourself. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he's like. You ever done that before? Maybe not your own face. But you're like, I was thinking about something. I stepped away for just a moment, and then all of a sudden, wait, what was I thinking about? Where did I put those keys? Where, what did I do? That's what he's saying. Verse 24, for he looks at himself, goes away, and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, all of the commandments Jesus summarizes how? Love God and love people. The perfect law is a law of love. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Here's the thing. Wisdom is not knowing the right thing. Wisdom is doing the right thing. You can know all the right things but make a conscious decision to not do the right thing. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what everyone says is that it's great to know the right thing, but that is not the end result of wisdom. The end result of wisdom is to know and do the right thing. And this is significant for us as we think about wisdom and we think about about the people receiving the law. Now, why is all of this important to us? How does this affect us? Because even today, as followers of Jesus, we are in a covenant relationship with God. See, the the problem for the people of Israel was not the law. I know we get that mixed up sometimes and we think, man, the law was so bad and it was so evil. The issue was not with the law. The law was actually a good thing. The way Paul describes it in the book of Galatians is it was like a guardian. Someone who is there to like help you along the way. The problem was not the law. The problem is who? Us. Well, while God created us and we were created in his image and we are good, we are also broken and flawed because of sin. We have chosen to say, we don't want to follow you, God. We want to follow what we want. 
And so the issue is not with the law for the people of Israel and for us. The issue is with us, with our sin. And so the only way for us to be able to follow the law and see the good in the law is that someone had to come who could follow the law perfectly and at the same time give us the ability to follow the law. His name is Jesus. So Jesus comes just like us in every way, fully human, yet at the same time, fully God. So which gives him the ability to fulfill the law, do the law, follow the law perfectly, doing something that we couldn't do. And at the same time, by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, he then empowers us by the Holy Spirit to now obey the law. There's a reason we talk about the Ten Commandments still, 3,000 years later. There's a reason the Ten Commandments kind of serve as this paradigm for what even natural law could look like. Because they come from God. It's like, no one wants anyone to murder anybody, right? It's like, we like being alive, (laughs) right? I don't want you to steal my stuff. I like having my stuff. So these laws God has created for for all of humanity, not just the people of Israel, but all of humanity. They they make sense for every person. And it's, it's by Jesus coming and by the Holy Spirit empowering us that we're able to obey the law, which in turn leads us to be what? Not a fool, but wise. Obeying the law is not a dumb thing. It's a wise thing. And when I talk about the law, I'm not just talking about like not running the red light, Following the speed limit. Those are good things, by the way, right? Pastor Dustin just got a camera ticket the other day. It's a $75 lesson that I've learned. But it's also about following the moral law, to love God and love people. Why? Because obedience leads to life. Disobedience leads to death. Every single one of us We want what? Life. No one wants death. No one wants physical death. No one wants spiritual death. No one wants to experience the results of death. We want life. We want, yes, eternal life, but we want that that flourishing life that we've been talking about, that shalom kind of life. Obedience leads to that kind of life. Disobedience leads to death. One of my greatest fears for me and for you, and this is regardless of age, is when we begin to think that we know better than God. When we begin to think, well, like, I know better than what he wants, or I know better than what people who are wiser than me want. Lacking humility You think you are wise, that you know better than those who have gone before you, or worse, you know better than God. And what Exodus 18 and what's going to follow shows us, and really what all of the scriptures show us, is that wisdom is available. We don't have to be a fool. We can get wise and we can have wisdom and we can listen to the Lord and we can choose the wisdom and we can obey him and we can ultimately experience what? Life. What scripture lays before us 
is what's up to us is we have to choose wisely. So we have an opportunity. Wherever you're at in life, whatever your age is, whatever your experience is, it doesn't matter who you are, you have an opportunity to choose wisely. God has put wisdom before you. Be wise, listen to him, and choose wisdom. Obedience leads to life. Disobedience leads to choose wisely. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for every single gift. Every single thing that we have in life is a gift from you. You are the giver of all good gifts. And one of those gifts is wisdom. And so, Father, we pray that we would receive wisdom from you and maybe through other people from you. But we wouldn't just hear it, we would do it. We would live it out. And we would find that that wisdom leads to life. Help us to be people who hear you and choose wisely. Give us wisdom this week. We love you and we thank you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.